Chapter 16 Common Property and Co-Determination No man's life, liberty, or property are safe while the legislature is in session. Mark Twain, Writer Who owns the government buildings, the public motorways, or the ships of the Navy? Obviously not the politicians or the state officials, because they change regularly. Apparently, however, these are owned by someone or something, otherwise everyone could appropriate them. Who then? Locke's or Rousseau's approach, explaining our coexistence on the basis of civil law constructs, social contract, makes a good deal of sense. These legal figures' concepts have evolved over long periods of time, so there is a lot to suggest that they are functionally correct descriptions. Take the cooperative. A civil law cooperative is an association of persons whose aim is the economic or social promotion of its members by a joint enterprise. In particular, the cooperative is independent of the respective composition of its members and cannot be terminated by them. There is no right of the individual to dispose of his share of the property of the cooperative. This definition also applies to a state. In fact, there are even forced cooperatives in which all landowners of a certain area are compulsorily members, such as hunting or dike cooperatives. Our countries of today are therefore best described as coercive cooperatives, in which one automatically becomes a member or citizen if certain conditions are met, descent, birth in a certain area, but which at the same time permit voluntary accession by naturalization, in this way, each individual acquires a share of state property, but is not entitled to dispose of it. When leaving the cooperative state, however, he leaves empty-handed, or even often has to pay a ransom in the form of an exit tax, even if he has previously paid more taxes than he has received in benefits. Even if the state makes surpluses, nothing is ever distributed to the cooperative members. All this is already a peculiar imbalance, but exacerbated further by the fact that all coercive members or citizens are liable for all liabilities which the government has accumulated, while the government is not liable to the members at all. No public goods. How will that be in a free private city? All facilities and services are clearly assigned under property law. Public goods do not exist. Either these are built and operated by private companies, then these are the owners, or they are held by the operating company, in which case the corresponding facilities, such as roads, squares, or police vehicles, belong to the operating company. The latter, in turn, belongs to the shareholders. That can, but does not have to be, the contract citizens. Anyone who no longer wishes to belong to the operating company can sell his shares. The remaining payments of the contract citizens, in particular the basic fee, are made in return for the services of the city operator, but as such do not convey ownership of the operating company. The latter is, of course, liable for poor performance. In addition, the contract citizens own land, property, or companies which they hold in the city. Immigration would not change this legal position. Ownership of the Operating Company 
If you think in conventional categories, it seems to be very important who manages the operating company of the free private city and who owns this company. In fact, both points are of secondary importance. There is no political relationship between authorities and subjects or government and citizens as in conventional systems. The operator is neither king nor dictator, but a mere service provider who may, or must, only do what both sides have agreed in the contract. When you go on a cruise ship, you are completely in the captain's hands. However, you trust him to behave in accordance with the contract and in a customer-friendly manner. After all, he is paid indirectly by you. Nor do you want co-determination on board, but only that the cruise takes place as announced and that the captain and crew do their job. In particular, the captain should not change the rules or even the route you have booked while you are sailing. If he does, you can sue the tour operator or the shipping company that owns the cruise ship. It is completely irrelevant who the operator is or who manages or owns the shipping company. The same applies to free private cities. The only decisive factor is the content of the contract and the legal position derived from it. The Legal Position of the Individual The most important question in free private cities is, therefore, what the legal status of individual contract citizens is and how it can be secured in the long term. After all, the contract citizens themselves decide what they do, what they spend money on, and what initiatives they support. It is therefore of paramount importance to prevent the operator or an elected body from acquiring more and more powers and forcing the residents to shape their lives in a particular way. That is why the contract with each individual and the corresponding legal position are so important. It is a matter of maximum self-determination, not of maximum co-determination. Freedom not merely a voice or a vote. If citizens voluntarily conclude a contract with the operator, the operator abides by this contract, neutral arbitration courts decide in disputes between contract citizens and operators, and the operator observes their decisions, then there is no need for institutionalized co-determination or co-ownership of the contract citizens in the operating company. In this respect, it does not matter who owns or presides over the operating company. Legal Forms An operating company or the free private city can be organized in different legal forms, whereby combinations or modifications of the various models are also possible. Private Company For reasons of liability and in view of the scope of the project, it is likely that the operating companies will be designed as limited liability companies, although theoretically the legal form of a fully liable partnership is also conceivable. The company would be owned by one or more shareholders. Their shares may or may not be freely tradable, depending on how the founders of the company have provided for this. If a company operates several independent private cities, it makes sense to establish a subsidiary for each city. Stock Corporation It is conceivable that free private cities are organized as stock corporations with regard to a subsequent initial public offering, IPO. But it would also enable third parties to acquire shares even before the IPO. In particular, contract citizens can make use of this option to ask questions at the annual general meeting, 
in particular on the use of funds for the development of urban infrastructure. In addition, as shareholders, they have a say in the composition of the board of directors and the distribution of profits. It is possible that the city operator even believes that every inhabitant of the city must acquire at least one share upon entry in order to strengthen the ties to the free private city and its affairs. This includes profit sharing through dividend payments. If the operator wishes to retain a majority stake in the company, he may issue non-voting shares. Cooperative An alternative legal form for the operating company is the cooperative already mentioned. In this respect, all residents, companies, and landowners of the free private city can jointly own the city operator, the city, by virtue of contractually agreed cooperative statutes. This ensures that all contractors have a say in the use of funds and surpluses and in the selection of management staff. However, this structure is not to be understood in such a way that the cooperatives can also change the rules of living together at will because in this respect each individual contract citizen has his contract with the cooperative as the operating company, which secures his individual legal position for him. If you go beyond that and let the cooperative assembly also determine all the rules of living together, then you are once again dealing with many of the disadvantages that the very model of the free private city was meant to avoid. Citizens Association The same applies to a citizens association. This means an operating company of any legal form for which only residents of the city may be co-owners by virtue of the bylaws. This allows further differentiation, for example, in such a way that each resident must hold at least one share as long as he lives in the city and has to sell it again when he moves away. Such associations can arise, for example, when investors take over the financing for the first few years and then sell part or all of their shares to the contract citizens. It is also conceivable that an operating company is for sale and that the citizens of the free private city decide to acquire it jointly, resident buyout. An initial coin offering, ICO, as a method of financing without giving up decision rights would be doable as well for the citizens association. The examples clearly show that there are many ways in which ownership of the city operator can be structured. However, there is reason to believe that this point will not be decisive in practice. The provision of good, reliable performance and adherence to the citizen's contract will prove decisive. Contract-abiding free private cities will be in greater demand than others, no matter what their ownership structure. In the course of division of labor and competition, it may turn out that certain operator models function better than others. Ultimately, the best model will only emerge on the basis of experience, depending on the forms of coexistence desired in the various private cities. Insolvency What happens if the operator has miscalculated and becomes insolvent? In principle, the same applies here as in the case of other corporate insolvencies. An insolvency administrator is installed, and he tries to redevelop the city or sell it to another operator. In this context, the contract citizens can also offer to take over the city themselves. If the free private city works to some extent, or has worked in the past, buyers are likely to be found. 
At the very least, it should be possible to maintain the basic services by continuing to pay the basic fee until a takeover. It is advisable to include an insolvency clause in the citizen's contract according to which a certain procedure must be observed in the event of insolvency, which law is applicable, and which rights are granted to the contract citizens in insolvency proceedings. Special Forms of Citizens' Participation The issues of co-determination and citizen participation play a greater role if unilateral amendments to the contract by the operator are possible, if, for reasons of acceptance, the involvement of the contract citizens is desired, or if the operator is obliged to do so on the basis of the agreement with the host state. This is possible to a certain extent, even without calling into question the model according to which operators and citizens have a mutually binding contract. For example, the contract could provide for the majority of the residents to elect or dismiss the heads of the administration, be it the mayor, a judge, or the chief of police. This does not change the powers of these persons, which are prescribed by the contract, but offer the possibility of replacing officeholders considered unsuitable even if the operating company sees no need for action. In addition, certain areas of regulation may already be subject to a citizen's referendum in the contract, such as the introduction or amendment of traffic rules or the punishability of certain conduct. These areas should remain narrowly and clearly defined, however, because otherwise there is a risk that the property rights and freedoms of the other inhabitants could be infringed too easily by vote. This problem is addressed by the corrective democracy described in Chapter 11, which only allows a right of veto by referendum following a decision by the majority of shareholders. A customer-oriented city operator will be keenly interested in his contract citizen's preferences anyway and will therefore always be accessible on his own initiative. He could set up a citizen hotline and regularly schedule information events, for example on planned infrastructure projects. The more free private cities there are, the easier it is for contract citizens to vote with their feet. The issue of co-determination and participation is therefore likely to lose relevance over time.